silence, please. Well, I don't know how this works. You, you, you always be, close the door and have quiet yeah. time with your boyfriend. Well, what you do is not talk for a second. I like how we have somebody to call you out on everything now. Yeah. Well, she's going to probably point out when I'm looking something up on Wikipedia now and tell you that I didn't know it off the top of my head. You guys could probably tell anyways. If Matt gets quiet, you know something's up. <laughs> Wait, are you assuming, are you like suggesting that we might not have known Matt was a fraud all along? <laughs> you guys knew. Hello and welcome to our uh, Film Nerds Oscar preview special. It's been a while, but we are uh, we're back here, and I'm I'm joined by two of our regular contributors, Ben Flanagan and uh, Graham Flanagan, and also this time by my wife and fellow movie buff Francesca. Don't call me buff. <laughs> Francesca Scalisi, formerly Francesca Roscoe, for for her fans out there. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, guys, we're pretty much just gonna we're gonna take a look at uh, everything category by category, just like we did a year ago, I think, and just kind of give our thoughts on on where we think this race is headed. Uh, if you and if you have an opinion on you know who you think should win, or if you know if there's if there's a particular issue you want to take with with uh, a particular category, then feel free to. Um, to give your opinions, but let's let's just get it started out with um, with talking about the new format this year, which is the ten nominee best picture format. Um, you know, we've discussed this on on Ben's radio show. We've talked about it uh, on our on our various blogs and Facebook accounts. But um, Graham, I'm interested to hear your take on on the ten nominee format for best picture and do you do you think a has this been a good idea so far and b is this a good year for that format uh yeah i mean i i was i was uh with the the choice to make it 10 instead of five um you know it's like saban you know i mean he uh First year loses to ULM. Louisiana, and I think a lot of people right now are very being very hard on uh, this year, the ten. Uh, and for a couple of those choices, I can agree with them, maybe in in some respects. But uh, I, you know, I, I appreciate Oscar history, and uh, the last year that uh, the the that the Academy nominated ten films for Best Picture was the year that. It, um, Casablanca won, so you know I, I I I'm a fan of the top ten list, and I'm not a, I have no problem with it, and I look forward. I hope they continue it for at least a couple more years. That Ben, do you do you, what are your feelings uh, about this? Do you do you think this was? Uh, I mean, I, I think the I think a lot of people feel like it was a it was a good idea when they first heard it, but maybe there's kind of a feeling out there, and this is this is sort of how I feel about it. I think just that. You know, it, it's perhaps hurting the the idea of this format that maybe th- these aren't these aren't ten great films. This isn't this isn't a a group that makes you that makes this ten nominee format look particularly great. What do you think about that? <clears throat> well, you know, 
I'm a child of the five nominee format. That's what I grew up knowing and loving about the Oscars. Um, but um, to counter that, I think that it's only fair for the Oscars to make their own top ten lists uh, for movies of the year, just like all the other critics and um, some of the awards, uh, some of the guilds and uh, folks that hand out awards at the end of the year do. They typically do that, like the National Board of Review or the critics, you know, the National Critics Association or Broadcast Film Critics Association, AFI, folks like that. And Oscars is the ultimate, and so they can kind of provide their ultimate top ten list. Although, like you said, they're not all what you would call great films, and they're, you know, several of them are nominated uh, for different and very specific reasons, and they might factor box office um, and their mainstream appeal. And I think that that's fair to an extent, but if we're talking about the best movie of the year... I don't know that certain financial intangibles should factor in uh, to you know which film you name the best of the year. But no, at this point, I don't have a problem with it. And what excites me about it is I used to have trouble seeing all five of the Best Picture nominees just because I live in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. But you know, by this point, or actually, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I'd seen all ten of the nominees, which is rare, and that might have something to do with how many mainstream and audience-friendly movies there are in the nominees list. But, um, you know, I was able to see An Education and The Hurt Locker and A Serious Man well before the award ceremony, so I've got that to feel good about. Well, you know, I, I to me, look, I, I'm probably being a little too harsh on the on the list because I like a lot of the movies on there, and I don't, I don't love them. I mean, I don't, I don't, I didn't walk out of any of these movies saying that's a slam dunk best picture nominee um but you know i feel I, I would feel okay about a number of them winning i think it's just the ones that that you guys you know admitted that are, are don't really seem to be up to par to me the blind side is not a movie that needs to be in the best picture category I, it's it's a perfectly adequate movie but it's you know and and for what it is it did a good job but it's it's not a best picture nominee movie i i really was was kind of blown away uh that that it even you know when i heard it announced as one of the nominees but i mean Fr francesca just just to sort of introduce us to to you know our our round of picks here i mean first tell me what you thought of the blind side as far as worthiness of this category. But, but also, I mean, looking at the, you, you and I have both seen seven of the 10, uh, the ones we haven't seen are an education, uh, up in the air and, um, precious. But, but I mean, tell me just from the ones that you have seen, what you think belongs in there and what you, uh, you know, what you would vote for if you had a vote. Well, let me answer your question with a question, because I just don't understand this. I know that this year they did for the top ten, they did, like, ranking, but previous years... You're talking about how they're actually voting the Academy? Yes. Okay. To get the, li to get the list of nominees. Previous years, would you just say, this is my pick as a nominee? I don't know how the Oscar uh, balloting yeah, yes. works. Yes, you would just check one movie that you wanted to win Best Picture, and this year it's, like, preferential <laughs> balloting, kind of like the Heisman Trophy race. Oh, of course. <laughs> You've really picked something I can relate to there, Ben. Thanks. <laughs> well, I picked it actually. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ask you, Francesca, to. Well, no, no, no. To rank them, but I'm not. But here's my point. Okay. I can make a top ten list at the end of the year, 
But it's good. there's going to be some sentimental pictures or pictures that I think, you know, oh, I liked that. It meant something to me. But I'm not going to fill it with, like, if you have to pick one, that's when you go, this is an Oscar film. Yeah. And this looks like a list of movies that people were like, I liked that movie a lot. And that's not good enough for me. I don't think Avatar should be on there. There, I said it. <laughs> I don't think The Blind Side should be on there. District 9, if it was a five uh, nominee year, wouldn't be on there. I liked it a lot. But it wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'd I think watch I'm it with and go, you. That's a best picture. I think I'm with you on that. I think it wouldn't make a top five, but I think it's. I, I don't have a problem with it in the ten. Can I say something about this, please? Yeah, uh, go ahead. Nope. Well, <laughs> I just think that I agree with you. Uh, if this were a five nominee year, District Nine would not be on the list. But uh, if two or three years from now you asked a geek, you know, about this past year and the Oscars, who got snubbed, he would say District 9. That was one of the most original, best films of that year. And I think it's I think that the fact that District 9 got uh, included in, in the top ten is a credit to the decision to, to uh, have ten instead of five this year. Well, you know what? I like it a lot. But I think an Oscar, you know, best picture needs to either be saying something important or saying something in a very new way. And I think District 9, while it was innovative and interesting, it sort of about halfway through just became an action film, which actually is part of, well... It is an awful lot of splatting and blowing up for the second half of the movie. Yeah. But I do think it's a really well-made film, but I don't know that it it had the depth or importance that I expect from a best picture. Well, I think that it satisfied both those things you said, uh, said something original and said it in a new way. I think District 9 did, and I think that's why it's nominated for picture and screenplay. Well, how about we have a fist fight later? <laughs> Anyways. Look, uh, let, me, let me interject here. I think that The Blind Side is obviously the biggest stretch when it comes to uh, which mainstream films you're going to include on this best picture list, and it was included because it performed so well at the box office, and Sandra Bullock is writing this wave uh, of popularity in 2009 and for whatever reason they felt like giving her an Oscar nomination uh, would be the, the, the right kind of tribute. I'm not exactly sure why. I think Graham brought up a good point not too long ago where if the blind side hadn't performed as well as it did at the box office, Bullock might be getting Razzie consideration for that same performance and not even for something like All About Steve. And I kind of agree with that. I think District 9 is also a bit of a stretch for what you would consider a best picture nominee. I do agree that it is something original and it does satisfy uh, you know, genre needs. Um, on well, top, Ben, on ben top I'm of just going to jump in real quick. Uh -huh. Okay, say 1997 they would have had a 10 picture nominee category. Would you have been okay with Starship Troopers being in the top 10? <laughs> no. That's kind of what I compared this to. No, Graham. I, look, no. I think that Starship Troopers satisfies, satisfies some needs and it might have been one of my personal favorite movies from 1997, but, but I don't. Would, but you I don't agree think that, that it's brains being sucked through a tube. It probably doesn't belong in the best picture race. It just it depends, you know. It depends on how you know what the context is of brains being sucked through a tube. But <laughs> um, no, 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 but look, I mean, District Nine's a fun movie. You know, personally, you know, I think that there there are backers in both corners. I think that it's not even the best science fiction movie that got best picture consideration. I prefer Star Trek to District Nine. Um, but I think that the 10 movie format at least lets people know about all of these titles that they normally wouldn't 
even know about. Uh, and, 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 and the year would pass them by, so they learn about um, an education, uh, which wouldn't have gotten nominated in the five-movie format. Um, uh, go ahead, Francesca. Well, <laughs> I don't mind that there's ten pictures. What bothers me is the the top ten list aspect of it. If it was, mm-hmm. if they took, you know, everybody voted on their one favorite picture for the year, and from that, then they took their ten. That would be fine with me. It's just that because people, you know, had the choice to, you know, say, oh, here's ten movies. I think that's where you get into. You think a lot of people were putting unworthy movies as their, like, number seven and eight that ended up getting into the best picture list, you're saying? Such as what? Up in the Air and uh, and Education? Like, what are you you referring to? Well, I I doubt The Blind Side was anybody's number one. So you think we're, we've got like five honorable mentions that are just kind of happy to be at the party? You know, I I, I just feel like, I, I, you know, I'd, I'd have a lot, I'd be a lot more irate about it if if I could think of a lot of other movies that got snubbed from this Best Picture race that I felt like deserved to be in there. I just don't, mm-hmm. I just think this isn't a year where you've got movies like the wrestler and doubt hanging out there that that you know deserve it, a best picture nomination and don't the, get it. The 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 in, the implementation of the format landed on a very awkward year. You know, yeah. I think had it started in 2007 or 2008, which was the year that sort of uh, inspired or reinvigorated the academy to um, use the format. I think we would have all said this works and we're okay with this for the future. Because you had, like you said, we you had movies like The Wrestler, Doubt, Gran Torino, Wally, and The Dark Knight, which would have been the easy uh, additional five. And this year, you just got kind of uh, a, f- a few movies that may or may not belong. Again, 2009 to me was a really good year, but not necessarily a great year. And there are a lot of really good movies, but only uh, a select few great ones. I think. I'm gonna, oh, go, go go ahead. Well, it's not really related. Well, I think I think up just to just quickly. I think up wouldn't normally be in there. That's actually without, what I was gonna say. Wow, well, it's like it had. I don't think anybody's gonna argue that it had like the most moving first ten minutes of a film. But I didn't really think it was a great film. I didn't think that. it was as good as Wally. And I think the reason it's in there is, you know, a I sentimental think, pick. And also, I think people finally said, "Look, these Pixar movies are so darn good." Yeah, we've we've got to now that we're going to ten, we've got to start making I, room for that. Can I say it? the uh, up fools you kind of in a way where the first twenty minutes of the movie are like you're like oh god, this movie just won the the grand prize at Sundance and the Palme d'Or and Best Picture, but then and then it beca- it's still it, it's great in the next like thirty minutes where he takes off and everything, but then it becomes pretty much a chase movie. I'm with you. I, I don't. I mean, I I just think the stuff with him and the kid in the jungle ultimately isn't anywhere near as interesting or satisfying as as that opening where we get the backstory. And I just Ben, think, look, I you know I really like up. I like it as much as I like most of the other Pixar movies, and I think that it really um, has a nice conclusion. And it the the you know the last scene of the movie has as much heart as the first. Uh, 15 minutes of the movie. I do agree that it turns into sort of this uh, adventure movie for kids. Um, and I'm fine with that. I mean, Pixar succeeded at, at, you know, giving us very high quality films that should be seriously considered for Oscars and ones that uh, are, you know, good enough for the animated feature category. And I think Up might, 
might be that. Now, if I were Pixar, if I were like John Laster, uh, Andrew Stanton, Pete Doctor, and all those guys, I would be a little uh, disheartened by the extension because, I mean, the point of that was to include uh, the films that appeal to audiences and also, I think, specifically to Pixar. And if I were Pixar, I would have said, you know what? We really wanted to crack the five and not just, you know, be an automatic entry into the ten. Because well, let me... they came so close, <laughs> I think. I think they came so close with uh, Finding Nemo, maybe with Ratatouille, but then they came probably the closest they've ever come with uh, Wally. And I think that they were just about to break that barrier. And I don't think it would have happened with Up, but I think that they've maybe got their best movie in them down the road. Well, before we move on, let's quickly, I'd just like to go around the round table and, and start with Francesca oh. and, and ask you to rank the last three Pixar films, uh, Ratatouille, so Ratatouille, <laughs> Wally, and Up. And I'll start, and I'll say, uh, from from top to bottom, Ratatouille, Wally, Up. I Top being number one, you're saying? Yes. I'm going to go Ratatouille... Up and Wally. You liked Wally the least of those three? I th- it just didn't stick with me that much, actually. I put Wally one, Ratatouille two, up three. Uh, I, but none of but but neither neither Ratatouille nor <clears throat> Wally reaches the heights of that first twenty minutes of Up. Let me tell you're you, at, though. you're you're out of your mind, number one, Matt, uh, because I think Ratatouille is the best picture of nope. two thousand seven. Um, oh, well, but look, I say Ratatouille, and then I would say Up and Wally is a toss-up. It could go either way for me. How about Pixar of all time? Quick, go. <laughs> uh, Nemo, Ratatouille, or Toy Story? Lame. Ratatouille for me, probably. Uh-oh, what? Monsters, Inc. It's great. It's, it's, I would probably say that or The Incredibles is number four. Oh, Incredibles, no. I'm going Toy Story. But anyways, back to Best Picture... Uh, I want to I want to just briefly touch on three movies that are in here because I think they're because you've seen them well three that I've seen but that I don't think there's a whole lot of debate on whether or not they're deserving to be in there which is the Hurt Locker Inglorious Bastards and a Serious Man I think those three would be in I don't know. if we had five no nominees no the the think? five no the the five nominees would be Hurt Locker Avatar up in the air. Precious and Inglorious Bastards. I think Serious Man would have missed the cut. Maybe, maybe it would him. have. Maybe it would have. But, but I, I think a, you're not going to hear a lot of dis, of people disputing this year whether a Serious Man belongs in there. I mean, I think I think people. I people I res- dispute. Do you? What is it saying? It's a well-made <laughs> movie, but I don't. I don't get the. You points. and I have like flipped on this. That is a whole other podcast. Yeah, I guess that's uh, true. You know, I don't like I the mean, Hurt Locker either. You don't like the Hurt Locker. I, again, what is the point? I don't like movies that don't say anything. That says, like, he just is an adrenaline junkie, and he's going to leave his well, wife and his kid at home because he likes to blow things up. I, I agree with and you. He likes to stop things from blowing up. Can I say, I, like, I mean, if, if I, I watched it last night, and I saw it in the theater in May, and it's, uh, <clears throat> and it's ITR, or as I like to call it, init- initial theatrical run. Uh, is that what you like to call it? <laughs> But uh, hey anyway. man, it came, it came to what? Tuscaloosa in its initial theatrical. Uh-huh. So yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. You were still in your in uh in university when it was. <laughs> uh, anyway, I watched it last night, and um, 
You know, any other year it would just be a great action movie. Like, I feel like, yeah. okay, this is like Lethal Weapon 2 getting nominated for best. No, Graham. no I, I agree, Graham. I don't, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a great movie, and I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's almost kind of the perfect barometer of what kind of year this is at the Oscars because it's a really good movie, and I can't say that there are nine better, uh, that there are definitely nine better movies or ten better movies than The Hurt Locker this year, but. It's not a great movie. It's not. It's not. So no, it's overrated, Matt. And I love the movie. And I, I agree. I think it. Ben is the Hurt Locker overrated? Uh, yes, but yes, it, 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 listen, you. listen. It is one. <laughs> it, it is one um, tangent or diversion, fifteen minute tangent uh, away from being a great movie. I'll, well, you know what? I found a little irksome about it. Is that most of, you know, any review you read, they were all loving it because she didn't take a stand. Like, oh, it's just, you know, it's an unbiased look at the war. But th- then it's just a guy blowing stuff up, which is fine. And it was a well-made movie. Stopping but... things from being blown up. Oh, yeah, well, that's true. Well, but ki- blowing them up in a controlled way. How about that? Okay. Sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. But it's, again, what are, what are you telling me? Like, oh, that's a cool shot, but I don't care. So you're saying that the movie doesn't say anything else than uh, what it says at the very beginning with the title card that we see, War is a Drug? Yeah. Because that's the quote they write. They, don't they show that quote at the beginning of the movie? Yeah, they do, yeah. So yeah, you don't think that they, they don't, you don't think they accomplished much else uh, storytelling-wise? Than... They accomplished me feeling awesome because I was like, that's totally Guy Pierce," And Matt was like, no, it's not. I said, yes, it is. And then I was vindicated because it was, in fact, Guy Pierce. That's what, that's what I took from it. Yeah. All right. Well, can I just say one thing about it, too, is that uh, I watched it with my girlfriend last night, and she says, and this is my favorite, this is what I would put in USA Today, uh, if I had to send them, like, a review quote. She says, quote, unquote, this movie makes me mad at Bush. (laughs) I'm going to wake our child. (laughs) I was like, I know, right? Like... Who has to, who, why should you put on a spacesuit if you're on Earth? <laughs> Bush came up with a reason because you had to like dig up bombs in the middle of ass f cuss word Iraq. <laughs> He's doing material now. And you know what else bothered me about this movie? All right, go ahead. It's just a, the where he goes and. He's in the professor's house. And yeah, like, well, that's what Ben was talking let me tell about. You. The tan- now, that's my thing, too, Francesca. I, I agree with you. Know, I wanted to know more about that. That was the only thing that was compelling to me. What the I didn't want to know about that at all. No, I didn't care either. Well, no, I didn't like the... T- I, I'm just saying, if you're going to take me down that road, take me down it. Don't just drop in, like, dude, who was more interesting to anyone else in the character. Yeah. Like, he's like doing, I can't even speak he's anymore. He's, like, doing science experiments or something. I mean, I think the I think the Hurt Locker really is like a mood piece. It's not like an A to B, you know, like three act structure movie. It's just it's it really is. It's like one mission, then one mission, and and on that mission, when they're leaving it, they come upon these CIA sniper guys. Like it is a cool, very cool flow that it has. You know, and then grocery store, and then bombs. <laughs> but I don't like it. I don't remember the grocery store. That's goes, Jeremy Renner. Yeah. Oh, right, right, with Evangeline Lilly, yeah. And she's like, where are you going? He's like, I can't take this real world, this domesticated trap. There's only one thing I love, yeah, baby, right. he and tells, it's not you. He tells his baby. He's not yogurt, him, yeah. yeah. Well, right now, I have her locker at number six for me. 
What's your let? I want to I want to keep this keep things moving forward. So Graham, what's what is your? It, it, I mean, not not your prediction, but who do you? You know, if you had a ballot, who's your number one? Who do you vote for? You mean if I voted for uh, the ten on here, or my own personal favorite film? No, I want to. I want to talk about just this best picture because right. I, I, I mean, man, I'm telling you, Matt, Matt. I mean, dude. I mean, I, I've seen six movies at the theater this week. Seven, including the Hurt Locker. I watched that on DVD, uh, Blu-ray last night. And uh, I mean, dude, I saw uh, Precious today. And I mean, it's like I. <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling whether or not if, if, uh, between voting for Precious or Inglorious Bastards. Okay, so Graham, yeah, I, I knew you saw Precious today, and I want I wanted to get your I guess your quick blur. incredible, yeah. incredible, yeah. Lee Daniels is sick, and this movie is is awesome, and this dude is the man. I mean, I was feeling like Scorsese vibes from him, and uh, it was badass. I mean, I I loved it, and. Uh, it's hard for me. I mean, right now, like, seriously, I would be, you know, if I had the envelope in my hand, I would be like, damn, you know, uh, Serious Man, Glorious Bastards, or Precious, you know, because they're all tight. Ben, what do you, what what would be, I mean, do you feel that strongly about Precious? Would they actually be a contender for your vote? Uh, yeah, they would be, but, I mean, it's not my best film of the year. It certainly made my top ten, and the more I think about my it. top five? Well, I'm saying the more I think about it, the higher it gets on that list. Uh, it, it, I, it does have a profound effect on you. Um, He's got the Paul Thomas Anderson feel, I'm telling you. Yeah, uh, you know, Lee Daniels, I thought, um, did his job very well. But I, I really was, and, and he has a lot to do with this, I really was affected by Gabby Sidibe's performance and Monique's performance. I thought Paula Patton and... Even Mariah Carey and Lenny Kravitz, they also did great jobs. And the girls yeah. that played Precious's um, classmates, it's just a really terrific ensemble piece uh, from, you know, unexpected directions. You know, you don't expect these people to be great actors uh, that can translate um, uh, such a, what I think is a terrific screenplay. I'm, I'm really happy that Jeffrey Fletcher got the nomination because it's very unusual. And as I understand, the oh. book is kind of an un- unconventional uh piece of storytelling but matt uh my number one film of the year is inglorious bastards it's, it's just the best time i've had in a movie theater in a long time and revisiting on dvd is also that much of a pleasure so i, I i'm thrilled to see it even in the race and i you know i would be very thrilled to see it in that top five if that format still existed and i you know i do think it's time to recognize tarantino again and on a larger scale i think i just think the film deserves it I, you know you know I think it pleases both critics and audiences, you know, seeing as how it grossed 300 million plus worldwide. So, and, you know, I I think it, I, I really do, and I'm not speaking as a biased uh, fan here. I, I think it's really got a shot, a legit shot to steal Best Picture. Um, thanks to, you know, the, the campaigning MVP, Harvey Weinstein, in its corner, who has just mounted this really quick and, impressive campaign that I've read about. And also it, it's, it, you know, when SAG, which, you know, where the voters are all members of the Academy, most of them are, and it can really carry into the Oscars as we saw with Shakespeare and love also campaigned, um, you know, which was also campaigned by Harvey. And then but Ben, I mean, how realistic is this? For, I mean, seriously, let's get real here. Cause we're talking about avatar versus the hurt lock. No, we're not Graham, because look, I, I, I really do think bastards, 
has a real shot. I think it's a three-horse race. And also, you've had this recent development with one of the producers of the Hurt Locker sending out that mass email that got caught, and that could sort of bring it down to earth. Can you give us a little context on that, Ben? Because Francesca and I don't know what that is. Uh, I forget which guy. I think it's either Shapiro or uh, Chartier, uh, the producer. He sent out an email to a bunch of his industry friends that said, uh, if you really want the Hurt Locker to win, uh, please vote for it and tell your friends, members of the Academy, to vote for it because we want this uh, moving and effective uh, you know, character study to win Best Picture instead of a $500 million movie. I'll tell you and, what. Yeah, and, and it, it, it really got a uh, sort of negative reaction from members, you know, of the, you know, community and the industry. And the Academy even thought about some, I don't know how it would, but it thought about penalizing the Hurt Locker. Yeah. I think it might Well, you're not you allowed know, to yeah. do negative campaining against exactly. another movie. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that, you know, if votes, if folks, you know, just said to themselves, look, I'm not going to vote for the Hurt Locker. I don't want that douche, you know, to get an Oscar. <laughs> They, but they, they might not say, I'm going to vote for Avatar instead. They might move their vote to Inglorious Bastards or another another movie. And then let me ask Ben. Let me make one last point. Fine, so fine. You've, got, you've got the preferential ballot. And I think that, you know, because they're, they're going to be taking into consideration where these movies rank on every single ballot. And I think, um, you know, Inglorious Bastards, it's got a full head of steam right now with these uh, very positive screenings they've had full of Academy members. And it's SAG win, which I do, Graham, think factors in. I think that you're going to see it uh, get several number one votes as well as a lot of number two and number three votes, which could uh, add up to a victory. I don't think right now, if I, if I had to predict what was going to win, I would probably go with Avatar or the Hurt Locker. But well, I, I yeah, really uh, do think it's coming on strong right now. Well, and that's like I was thinking tonight, like I had a vision of Maggie Gyllenhaal winning supporting actress. And I was just like, eh, not going to happen. But uh, do you think the Hurt Locker winning would kind of be like? Uh, what a weird story! It means it means that sometimes they're upset at the Oscars, and I was I'm saying like, do you think that the Hurt Locker uh, would be similar to the French Connection winning in that it's like kind of like a governmental procedural? Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know. I mean, a governmental procedural. Has there not been another one since the French Connection, a procedural that has won Best Picture? I mean, you could call well, Silence of the Lambs a procedural. Yes, true. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of a, yeah. I don't know, Graham. I mean, what do you want to say? <laughs> well, listen, listen, I, I mean, I'm of the opinion that Avatar is going to win. And only my, my only reason for saying that is, I'm I'm just overwhelmed by how much positive, how many positive sound bites I keep reading from people in Hollywood about Avatar. I mean, it seems like the maybe there's look maybe there's better dialogue in the version they show in L.A. But everybody out there just thinks this is the best movie ever made. I mean, they're they're because it's making the money. It's all money. It's like if The Blind Side didn't make money, there would be no Sandra Bullock right. at the Oscar. It would be Gabrielle Sibide. I, I think they've all been. I, I think a Sibide. lot of. <laughs> I think a lot of people have convinced themselves that Avatar is a great movie, and that it has. It's, you know, more than that. That it's important to their industry that they work in because they've now figured out the next thing that's going to really make them all lots of money, and so, 
you, you know, I, I, that I think it's going to win just because of the huge positive reaction that it gets. I, I think it has a much higher, uh, you know, sort of tomato meter score in L.A. than it does in the rest of the country. But I, if it, it you know, my vote would Should be you not hard. enjoy it. I mean, Avatar. Let's let's talk about that for a second. Well, I had I a mean, good time, but it's it's look, it's not. It, it's not a screenplay wise. It's a very uh, trite, average movie that doesn't really do a whole lot for me as a as a story. I mean, it's there are parts of it that are borderline ludicrous to me in in terms of the the screenplay. And I put up do you with. Think it that there were people saying the same things about Titanic when it was at, when it was out? Or I mean, were there were there people saying it was trite and average? I don't Titanic think there were as many. Yes. I think it had a much better. I think it had a much better overall critical uh, critical reception than. I mean, Avatar's critical reception was pretty mixed, and the positive. No, it was heard, positive. It was but, positive. Yeah, but it, but but what you heard that was positive from critics was how amazing it looked. There were there weren't anybody um, saying. How, hey, Matt and Francesca. Yeah, Francesca, go ahead, please. Well, then, no, no, let me ask y'all a question. Let me pose a question to you too. Uh, what do you think is a better movie, Avatar or The Blind Side? Please say Avatar. <laughs> I think it would have to be Avatar, but I think if it, I, it wouldn't be my vote to win, but I do think it is an important film, not the story it's telling, but the accomplishment that it is, which I think is okay. I think it's okay for, you know, a little bit of a watershed movie to be recognized. I don't like it. I would prefer storytelling to be, you know, what wins the day. But I do think Matt disagrees with me. But I think we're headed to every movie being in 3D. And if this is, you know, the direction all film is going in, I don't think we'll look back and go, that was a really dumb win. I think it would make sense. You know, you could you could, you could could make the argument for The Matrix, you know, a game-changing movie that makes a lot of money. Uh, I don't think that we should look back on Avatar if it wins Best Picture and say, well, that's okay just because of its intangibles as a special effects-driven movie and one that made tons of money worldwide. That's I agree not... with you, Ben. I, I, don't, yeah. I, don't, looking... I won't be okay with it, really. I mean, I, I'll be, you know, I always, I have a tendency now to look at things when, I, when I'm talking about sort of the, what I believe will be the historical perspective where I go, what what will I say when my kid asks me about that movie one day and she says, she says, you know, oh, Avatar won Best Picture. Tell me a little about that movie. And I'll say, well, it was kind of a technological breakthrough, but it was a really dumb screenplay where they basically they basically tried to turn it into sort of an eco-terror. Uh, you You're going to tell your kid all this? Would you, well, Matt, would you, like tell your, would you, Matt, would you tell your daughter that uh, no country for old men deserved to win Best Picture. Yeah, I would. I would. I I would have told. I would tell her that I wish uh, there will be blood had won, but I would tell her that I don't have a problem that No Country for Old Men won. So at five, you would show your daughter that film? <laughs> Not when she's five, but uh, you know, I'm talking about I'm talking about you know a a seventeen, eighteen year old, let's say. But 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 I mean, look. The bottom line is, I I don't know that I don't know that Avatar. Uh, once the once the technological uh, stun effect wears off, I don't know that it's going to hold up, because I don't think there's a whole lot else to it than the than the technical achievement. Uh, Jurassic Park is a huge technical achievement, but there's a lot 
besides that going on in that movie. Yeah. Well, how about this? What if uh, Schindler's List hadn't come out that year and Spielberg hadn't done it? I think that Jurassic Park might have gotten nominated for Best Picture. I wouldn't have had a problem with it. Avatar is a much better movie than, or excuse me, Jurassic Park is a much better movie than Avatar. Would yeah. you not? Really? Jeez, Graham, Graham, I don't know, Ben. See, you're, ben. you're, 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 uh, you're, you're buying it, man. You're, you're buying the, uh, the hype. I'm sorry. Uh, you're buying it as a game changer, and you're proud of Avatar because of how much money it's made. It you don't think I honestly had a great experience there? I, you probably do, and I think that you're also blinded by the 3D experience too, because. Avatar, you know, 3D or no 3D, it's just not a great movie. It's fun. It's a, it's a, it's a really, you know, at times. Ben, I think it's, name a better science fiction film to come out, and Matt, you too, and Francesca, in the last 10 years. Matrix. Av- or I guess you, that was seven it. years, right? Matrix, yeah, it was. Matrix Revolutions ten is better than Avatar. <laughs> ben, Ben, seriously, you really I, think that? I think, no. Matrix, I think, no, I think oh, look, I'll say the Matrix, Matrix Revolutions is better than Avatar. Reloaded. You say that, it's full of crap. No, Revolutions, I meant to say Reloaded when I said that. Cause uh, I don't think, I would, I love Revolution. I love Reloaded, and I would say that uh, Avatar is better than Reloaded. Because it's in 3D? No, because it's, it's awesome, and I mean, I think you're not giving, uh, giving it enough credit well, i think it's good look i mean i think people are a little too hard on avatar when it comes to its script and how much it borrows from other stories because i think those stories borrowed from other stories everything everything's cyclical in terms of the content you're going to see in these big action movies everybody borrows but avatar just didn't really uh story-wise and you know in some cases action-wise it didn't do anything new to me it didn't show me much new, and I was not invested in Sam Worthington's boring character. We killed our mother. Right? Yeah. Do you want that? Do you want that blood on your hands? <laughs> Francesca, go ahead. Go ahead. What? You were going to make a point. <laughs> uh, what was Graham's question? Best sci-fi movie in the last. Oh, uh, you want to throw one in there? Yeah. District Nine. That's a better sci-fi movie. Oh snap! Star well, I didn't. Here, here's the thing, Francesca. I. I love the fact that that movie was nominated for, uh, and it's going to be in my top ten. But uh, Avatar, I will say I will rate it uh, higher than District Nine because I had like crazy vivid Avatar themed dreams the next night. That's because it was that, so long. Or you're a <laughs> <real> nerd. <laughs> and that was in the news, by the way. Like people were having suicidal and right. uh, thoughts, and they were uh, being depressed. This was in the news, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm not the only one." I felt like I was having like a Melinda Dillon Close Encounters experience. They were, they were, they were thinking about killing themselves because they could never be in a place that beautiful. That's what they were quoted right. as saying. Graham, you need to, you know, before you publicly release your top ten of 2009, I think it's important that you really set the criteria for why you're including these movies. Because I get, what are you I get referring to. Look, I mean, I get, well, this is kind of random, huh? What you're saying is kind of like, what are you referring well, to? You're like Avatar is going to end up on my top ten just because of how great the experience was, and you know the back end that the producers got. Um, he doesn't you know, have to set a criteria. Uh, absolutely, he does. I think you should have two separate top tens. You should have uh, top ten movies that are actually good, and top ten uh, movies that I like for other reasons. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but that's like, not fair. A top ten list the, is subjective. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, I, I guess. But, but let me ask you this, I Ben. Think, Ram, 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 ben. I, think you're, I think you're trying to make points with your pick. 
Well, French. Wait, you never asked me what I think should be the best picture. I know, but that's what I'm just about to do right now. Oh. That you you just interrupted me to tell me that. <laughs> well, but, I thought you were moving on. No, what what we're what we're gonna do before we move on is I'm gonna ask you what you think should be best picture. Okay. So what is it? <laughs> well, recognizing that I haven't seen Precious, which maybe would bump it out, I'm going with Inglorious Bastards. All right, I'm proud of you. In terms of proud movies that way. stuck with me. In terms of a movie that wowed me, that had great characters, it was the whole package. Yeah. Well, I, well, I obviously agree with that. I think, to me, Inglorious Bastards is my pick of that ten. And, well, and I, you pick this not And I, I don't know. Well, I, I mean, and, and especially because I went into it expecting so much out of it. And, and you know, it, it, was, it was really, to me, it was, it was a positive moment for me as a film lover because I've been so disappointed in Quentin Tarantino uh, and and so nervous that he was just headed down the wrong path and I think Ben and Graham probably agree this is definitely a return to form so you guys haven't seen uh, Up in the Air, Hurt Lock, or excuse me Up in the Air and Education or Precious right? those are the three right, that fine. we have not seen, that's correct well I'm just curious Francesca I think that, I don't know, I think y'all have positive reactions to all three of those movies. I think that those movies deserve to be on this list. They're all they're all fine movies that I don't know, in stronger years, Graham or yeah, Graham, you've seen all these movies. Do you think in uh stronger movie years those three movies would still be at the top of the heap? Uh the Witch of the Inglorious Bastards. No 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 no. An education up in the air and precious. Ugh. Uh, precious, yes. Uh, I cried but watching uh, the preview. What? I cried watching the preview. Dude, so. I, I look. I'll say this, and I know I, this might go out to the millions of people around the world, but <laughs> when I was watching at the movies with uh, with uh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum or whoever they have now. <laughs> Uh, they they showed the clip uh, where Precious Gabri Sidibe says nobody loves me, and I mean that was <laughs> I was like yeah I don't I, <laughs> I've seen the Blind Side I've seen Julia and Julia and uh, neither of those ladies did anything to come close to what I saw in that clip that I saw DVR you know from like twelve thirty at night you know and at the movies with Tony Scott you know well, we'll, so and I we'll move I saw the movie today. Well, all right, fine. But 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 yeah, cuz I cuz look, this is I think we're going to spend a lot less time on the acting categories for the simple reason that uh at least two of us have seen very very few of these performances. This is kind of weird that, you know, these are 10 really popular for the most part best picture nominees. These 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 performances seem to come from much less popular uh Movies, you know, we have. Let's look at Best Actor for a second. Crazy Heart, A Single Man, uh, Invictus. Although I don't know how that ultimately performed, but uh, you know, certainly didn't generate a whole lot of buzz. Uh, and then you got George Clooney for Up in the Air, who's probably got this nomination just carrying over from that heavy early buzz, and Jeremy Renner from The Hurt Locker. But have have either of you guys seen Crazy Heart or A Single Man or? Invictus, and can you shed a little light on whether you think? I mean, I think most people believe Jeff Bridges probably is gonna is gonna win that award. Uh, Graham, you've seen all those movies, so you go ahead. I've seen all five. Uh, all right, money bag. You know what's that? 
Hey, I called you money bags going to see all these movies in New York. Yeah, sadly, uh, do the math, Francesca, real quick while I spout off. Uh, I saw uh, six movies this week at twelve fifty a pop. Yikes! Again, so money uh, bags. do the do the math while I make my point real quick. Um, personally, uh, I, yeah, I've seen all five films in this category. I watched uh, Invictus on Friday night. Uh, I watched Hurt Locker last night, watched Crazy Heart on uh, Wednesday night, and uh, George Clooney a few weeks ago, and Colin Firth well over about two months ago. So uh, I think it's kind of overall, sadly, a weak category. Uh, but I would vote for Jeff Bridges out of, these, out of these five guys, and I don't think it's a sympathy award. I think it's a fine film, and uh, he does a great job. And it's nowhere on the level of somebody like Daniel Day-Lewis for There Will Be Blood. Let's just be straight. That's not his fault, though. He is in the category he's in with the people he's nominated with, and out of these five, I would happily vote for Jeff Bridges. But, you know, it, it happens. It, this is nowhere Nowhere is it seen sort of more than the, the acting categories where some years you get lucky, some years you're Mickey Rourke, and, you know, Sean Penn has milk come out and, and uh, somehow steals it away from you, but... I listened to a uh, podcast recently where they did a top five all time of people who got nominated for Oscars that did not win but should have won, and I, th- I think that's pretty. Uh, I think that's an interesting list, um, and we can go back and you know you can sort of speculate as to who should have won or who shouldn't have won, and I- I'm not sure we're going to have that this year, uh, other than maybe the best actress category. I think Graham's right. It's a it's a weakish category, but I still do have a few movies to see in it. Um, I have seen Crazy Heart. It came to Tuscaloosa, and uh, we went and saw it last week. And I think it is a good performance, but I am convinced that while it may be the best performance out of the five, um, I do like Jeremy Renner's performance too, I am convinced that it is a sympathy Oscar. Because it's not, as you said, Graham, uh, the kind of performance that would have overcome someone like Daniel Day-Lewis or even Sean Penn or Mickey Rourke last year. I, I think it would have played second fiddle to those. I don't, you just... I don't feel like it's a sympathy Oscar so much as like a lifetime achievement more. You're putting a very negative spin on it. I think he's a well, beloved I, guy who people want to honor. Well, I think the, the, the sympathy Oscar is is the same thing as the lifetime achievement award. You know, I think that a lot of people... Well, one, and you're a Jeff Bridges fan, right? Absolutely, absolutely. But I, I, you know, I still can look at the look at the situation and say they finally want to reward this guy, uh, no matter what the movie is. If it does happen to be one that gets enough critical acclaim to where they can, it, it, it'll justify them giving him an Oscar. Now, you know, if you're looking at Best Actress, God knows what their logic is behind well, that. Well, let's let's move to that really quickly because we've got um, again, I, I'm. Francesca and I are going to be at a bit of a loss because we've only seen Meryl Streep and Julie and Julia and Sandra Bullock in The Blind Side. Uh, but so we have ashamed. Helen Mirren uh, from The Last... Is Precious at The, is Precious at, uh, the Rave or uh, Patton Creek? I don't think it's still playing here. Dude. It came back for a little it while. It is awesome. Well, look, it'll be that. it'll be on the DVD list for sure. Blu-ray. March 20th, I think. Helen Helen Mirren from the Last Station. Graham or Ben, have you guys seen? I saw that? it. I what, saw it. What do you think of of it getting all of these actors? Totally, totally deserving for both. Um, and the movie should be nominated in some technical categories that uh, 
It uh, chronicles the last uh, month of Tolstoy's life in uh, turn-of-the-century rural Russia. <laughs> Wonderful scenes that of trains. Thrilling. Trains, you say? Well, trains, uh, uh, Christopher. I, I had heard that Pixar was going to option that script. <laughs> Uh, Paul Giamatti is at his best, uh, um, and James McAvoy is, and I, you know, it's like after a guy does a movie like Wanted, you know, ultimate crappy studio film, and he does a movie that gets picked up by Sony Pictures Classics. With these class acts, I mean, good job, buddy, you know, I mean, I'm not the big, I think this is better than Last King of Scotland, where he's kind of the guy that just goes to hang out with a greater man, you know, where in this case it's Tolstoy as opposed to, you know, uh, Udi, Emin, whatever. But uh, I enjoyed it, and uh, I think Helen Mirren was incredible. And but you know we'll get to it. But Gabrielle Sidibe uh, deserves it. Well, I think you and Ben seem to both feel that that Sidibe is probably the most deserving in this category. The one that you would vote for, probably. I've been I've been on uh, you know I've been in her corner since I saw this movie back last fall. I really. Have been blown blown away by it because uh, when I, I, I saw the film, or I, actually I, I should say I saw maybe it was at the movies or just another clip. I saw a clip of the movie, and I thought, uh, okay, you know, this just seems like a, a very gritty, very realistic uh, portrayal of of this girl inner city character. But then I saw Gabourey Sidibe on the Tonight Show with Conan O'Brien, and I saw just the the, the you know, just how dynamic she was and uh, how engaging and outgoing she was. And it's just a complete 180 from the character you see in that film. And to me, that's just the definition of great acting. You, she, she has just completely uh, absorbed her, herself in this other person and, in, in, you know, the person in the book, Push. Ben, and, real quick, man. Did, in the movie, though, there's a scene where she is speaking like that right, in the movie. You prepare right. early on. Yeah, very strange during her fantasy sequences. Um, That's the first one, the first fantasy sequence where she's like at a premiere and she's right. like speaking in a different, you know, yeah, style of speaking. Yeah, it's like how precious wishes wishes she spoke. You yeah. know, it's a fantasy of herself, and you kind of get the real Gabby Sidibe. Um But Matt, I think that actually this is probably the strongest category uh, acting wise when you consider uh, Gabby Sidibe. Uh, uh, Carrie Mulligan's brilliant performance in an education, and also I think Meryl Streep does deserve the attention that she's getting. I do too. I agree with you on that, and Carrie, Carrie Mulligan. Yeah, but see, you got. I, I, I'm still at a loss for words, just like you, Matt, and you, Francesca. I think you feel this way that The Blind Side, let alone, got a Best Picture nomination, but it's kind of become a foregone conclusion that Sandra Bullock is going to win the Oscar. Well, let's get for best into act. that. Yeah, I mean, look. Do you do you guys really think that she's gonna win? I mean, is that yes? You think she's she's gonna win it, not not just getting this attention for it? I think I'd put my money on her right now, but uh, I think if there are any surprises other than Meryl Streep, best picture category, I do think Meryl Streep could steal it from her. I I would like to see that, although I, I mean I don't think it's Meryl Streep's best work of her career or anything, but I, to me it's it's a lot better, it's a lot more interesting a performance to watch. Than, than what Sandra Bullock does. Be, you know, Francesca, I know that you were at least, you know, you're you're a Sandra Bullock fan, and you. All right, watch it. Well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not calling bias. The net. But you did. 
you you were kind of of the opinion that she took what could have been. Why don't you let me say what my opinion is? Okay, well, <laughs> well, go ahead and tell us what you think of of that performance. I don't think it's best actress worthy. However, I understand it in as much as I think it's her being rewarded for doing something that people don't expect of her. But even then, it would have been it would have been a more challenging to the audience performance if she was less likable, which then she also has... I sound like that idiot. Which then, of the Iraq... <laughs> right. <laughs> no, but Such she, as... I, I, I've, I think she has a star quality in as much as she's a very likable person to watch on screen. I think in terms of the writing of the character, they could have made her a little less likable. But... I'm I'm not doing a good job here. It's okay. Look, I, here's what I'm trying to say. It's a pretty shallow written character, and I think she brought more depth to it than it deserved. Yeah. Look, that I mean that, and that's what I would say about the whole movie. And and it, I don't I, think the movie should have been. Entertainment Weekly though. had a pretty interesting uh, column. I think it was a week ago, kind of pointing out that that. What the Blind Side did, and look, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna make too big of a deal about a movie fudging on facts if it's based on a true story. But I do think it's a, it's an awfully simplistic story about a situation that was actually pretty complicated, uh, and and it makes pretty much all the main characters into saints and you know really uncomplicated people who were just always doing the right thing, and you know, and and. Look, it could have been it could have been worse. It could have been cheesier, and you could have had more lines, uh, like the one where Sandra Bullock says, "You know, he's he's changing us." You know, but it was but it ultimately it doesn't really it doesn't really go anywhere you you aren't expecting it to go, and it ultimately is about a poor, uh, d- you know, unfortunate but sort of saintly. So? black kid who's really good at football and so this this saintly white family takes him in to be fair he wasn't good at football and they took him in yeah but he was an athlete a natural so it's an abc family di- uh movie that with sandra bullock in it elevated it to a disney channel movie and it somehow <laughs> got the theaters listen i, mean, I don't want to about her performance though is that which again we know southern women we are all southerners I think she did as close to a realistic modern-day Southern woman as there's ever been on film. Because Hollywood has a tendency to make everyone from the South, from, you know, Steel Magnolias to whatever, into Civil War ladies. She did fine. Drinking tea. Right. Um, She's at least sort of a modern... I mean, that's a fairly good representation of an upper-class Southern woman. Matt, can I make this point about Sandra Bullock? Sadly. Really um, I think that... Sandra Bullock is a you know a, an engaging actress who is perfectly capable of doing Oscar worth work uh, in the future. But I don't think that this was the movie that they should have that Hollywood should have chosen or the performance they should have chosen to reward her with her Oscar. And if they wanted to do that, they just should have been a little more patient and understood that Sandra Bullock had a big year this year and she's obviously going to get to do whatever she wants uh, as you know. Typically, her career has gone down uh, in recent years. And, again, I, th- I think that she, she might have had that performance in her. I think Graham might have even thought that, you know, 
crash her her and crash you know you know deserved more critical proof than it might have gotten it's just the blind spot just not it's just not deserving and, and neither is the performance that's how i feel but again she's got many years ahead of her when she might give her oscar performance i agree thank you you're welcome um Okay, well let's let's move on to the the supporting categories and and just say something quick about those. Um, I don't know that there's a whole lot of conversation to be had about best supporting actor. That that has been, uh, I mean, can you guys think of a of an acting award that has been locked up completely locked up earlier than Christoph Waltz for supporting actor this year? Maybe Javier Bardem. <laughs> yeah, was I, he, su- he was supporting. Yeah, he was best supporting actor. Yeah, oh. I mean, it, it, I, it seemed like it seemed like it was kind of, you know, lead pipe lock as soon as everyone walked out of the theater from Inglorious Bastards. As soon but, as he, you know, this movie opened. Yeah, the opening sequence of the movie. Right. Frankly, I have a little crush on a Nazi, and I don't feel comfortable with that. <laughs> He's dynamic. But let's talk. I mean, unless you guys have. Uh, any debate that you want to have about supporting actor, I think we should move on to supporting actress and and take. Well, the sad thing is for me is that uh, I've I haven't seen The Messenger or Lovely Bones. What do you guys? Real quick, let's talk about this because I know for a fact that none of us have seen Lovely Bones, and that's Peter Jackson. Ben, <laughs> what is that an accusation? <laughs> what is it? Yeah, what do I care? You know, ben, you I mean, know what I'm talking about. It's a Peter Jackson movie. Yeah, okay. have you seen? It? Because I think it looks like a mess. That's why. And you know, I, there are a lot of movies um, that come out during this this time of year, and you know, that I would rather see than that movie. When I first saw that trailer, my initial response was, "Wow, this looks like a mess." But I'll trust Peter Jackson, and I'll still go see it. I have yet to see it because I would have rather seen. Uh, I would have rather seen Avatar. I would have rather seen. Um, Squeakle. Precious, uh, you know. How many people wanted to go see a movie about a murdered preteen girl on Christmas? By the way, it's a Spielberg paid for it too. You know, I'll tell I you guess. what. I read a book, and that's why I wasn't interested in the movie. I oh wow! Well. I was. Well, not did you guys see book. Letterman talk to talk to um, Susan Sarandon about it? He was like, "This movie is terrible." <laughs> did he really? Who said that? Yeah, he was like, "Yeah, Letterman." Oh well. Wow. He's like. This is a really awful, awful thing to watch. Why would anybody want to go see a movie like this? It was. I was like, damn. Well, Graham, I think that that uh, brings brings us back to Lee Daniels and what he accomplished with Precious. You know, I think it, it takes a certain kind of uh, filmmaker, storyteller, yeah. to take very, very dark uh, content and make it engaging for an audience and even entertaining. I, you know, I saw Lee Daniels make an appearance on The Daily Show, and right when he came out. John Stewart said, hey, Mr. Daniels, um, I've got to say, given how dark this movie is, I actually really enjoyed it. And Lee Daniels says, what's dark about it, John? And he said, well, you know, uh, not much other than the, the twice-raped uh, you know, girl living in the inner city of Brooklyn. Otherwise, everything was really hunky-dory. You know? And I thought that was a, a good point and a, you know, a great joke on his part. You know, but that not- is an interesting point you bring up because a serious man – was a big old downer of a movie, but for some reason, watching it was not a downer of an experience. And if the Lovely Bones wasn't able to accomplish that, there's something wrong there. Because clearly, but, Precious yeah. was a big old downer. But I guess it has. A, I don't know. I, but I, 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 I watched it. it. I enjoyed it like I enjoyed a Scorsese movie. 
Look, I haven't seen The Lovely Bones, so I'm going to reserve judgment uh, until I do. But it just may not be in the theater. That's all. And I didn't see a serious man in the theater. So. Well, speaking of reserving judgment, uh, Francesca and I are going to recuse ourselves from any discussion of supporting actors since we haven't seen any of the movies that are nominated in that category. But uh, that sounded like an accusation. I'm not accusing anybody. I, I mean, like I uh, to to be but honest, you've been seen all but nine, right? Uh, yeah, I haven't seen that. Ben, what do you think about uh, the criticism of Maggie Gyllenhaal from Crazy Heart? Because we read the the anonymous actress quote uh, this, th- that Francesca is sure is Amy Adams uh, <laughs> that said that Maggie Gyllenhaal ruined Crazy Heart for her. Oh my god! Uh, I don't think she ruined it. I think you get your standard Maggie Gyllenhaal performance. I think she's as good as she's been in anything else. If you like Maggie Gyllenhaal, but I just think. Uh, if anybody's at fault, it's the writer, uh, director of the movie. I think that it's just kind of a nothing character. That, and I don't buy the Jeff Bridges, Hall romance that we see in the movie between a uh, 50-something, early 60-year-old man and this, you know, early to mid-30s uh, single mother. Uh, it just didn't it didn't work for me. Um, but, again, you've just got this category, uh, which I, did, I, I think is, you know, reasonably strong with the up in the air girls and I haven't seen nine, but Monique, uh, you know, will and should win this Oscar, um, you know, based on, you know, she has single scenes. If, if Monique only had one scene and you could pick any of them in the movie and it was one of those, you know, eight minute roles that got nominated, I think that she might still win the Oscar. Monique gives a, uh, Daniel day Lewis, uh, Robert De Niro esque performance. Do you agree, Ben? Yeah, I do. I think that, um, you know, anybody who dismisses this as a gimmicky nomination where you have this comedian uh, taking a chance, you know, at a dramatic role, and that's the only reason she's winning, I think that that's a stupid argument. Because I think um, every scene that she's in, every you know, it's just, like you said, it's one of those moments where, you know, whenever Javier Bardem was on screen... And yeah, about, or, or Heath Ledger as yeah, the Joker. You're just totally captivated, and when she's not on screen, you kind of wish she was, uh, you know, not because of what the, the character is doing, but just, you know, what Monique is doing. And I think that the, the during the climactic scene um, between, you know, her and Sidibe and Mariah Carey, uh, if you're not moved by that, if you're not genuinely moved by that, then uh, you have no business watching movies. I think I think you're probably right in saying it seems like supporting goes to the person who you're looking forward to seeing in the movie, and you miss mm-hmm. them when they're there. I guess she's a jerk, though, right? Uh, she's not nice. <laughs> but I you were she's. About I mean, Mo- look, listen, can I say uh, she <laughs> falls right in line with the last uh, three years of villains uh, with the Joker and Anton Sugar. <laughs> like she could hold their hold her own against both of those guys. How about that? It is you think how Graham Monique's character versus the the. Uh, the Meryl Streep nun from Doubt. Who gets How pwned? About Monique versus Christophe. Well, does Monique have the frying pan? <laughs> or the TV? Yeah, uh, the TV. Yeah. No, no spoilers, Ben. No spoilers. <laughs> uh, hey, well, you know, one note about Monique. Um, were you were you commenting on Monique the person being a jerk, Francesca? No, I don't. No, although I, isn't she, like, not going to stuff? No, she, well, I, oh, there was some talk that she has threatened to not go to the Oscars unless they pay her. Well, no, here's here's what I like about uh, behind-the-scenes Monique, and I think that that's funny, too. I've always thought she was pretty funny. But I like 
what she's had to say about the whole campaigning aspect of Oscar season. She's saying that she doesn't really feel like campaigning and she doesn't want to be a part of it because the performance itself should be the only thing that should campaign for an Oscar. She should, the, the performance should do all the talking. And I, I completely agree with that. And I think that that's part of what um, takes so much away from Oscars nowadays because it seems like people can buy Oscars fairly easily or at least buy nominations. And I agree with her. I think her performance, you know, had it been released in March, I believe it played at Sundance, I, it, it, it's strong enough to carry itself all the way through the year and, you know, get the Oscar win that it eventually will get. Hey I think that uh, it, it won it won the uh, Audience Award and the Grand Jury Award at Sundance. Right. So it might be the biggest Sundance success of all time. Hmm. Uh, looking at looking at director, can you can either of you guys refresh my memory and tell me did Danny Boyle win Best Director last year? Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> yes. So last year, last Slumdog Millionaire was the Return of the King of two thousand and eight. <laughs> you know, and we don't see that every year. We don't always see uh, a sweep of Best Director and Best Picture, which you know doesn't really make a lot of sense oh. to a lot of people. But, but, uh, but. I mean, what do you guys, what are, what is, uh, Graham, what's your take this year on, you know, there's been a lot of talk that, that Catherine Bigelow uh, is going to get a lot of sympathy in this category just because people really want to see a female director succeeding in Hollywood. There are so few that have had great large scale success. Uh, and, and, you know, she seems to be having, you know, she seems to have a lot of momentum and a lot of people's support. James Cameron has talked about how she deserves the best director uh, Oscar, and uh, and yet on the other hand, you guys have talked about what Lee Daniels has accomplished, and and Quentin Tarantino's hanging around in there too. What do you what do you see happening here, Graham? Uh, I mean, it's just like with all the momentum going in. I mean, just the random person that, that would like start uh, start to watch this coverage might say, "Oh man, the Hurt Locker is going to win Best Picture and Director and everything," but. I mean, if I had to bet my money right now, a week out, I would say uh, Avatar, Best Picture, uh, Catherine Bigelow, Best Director. But part of me is like, would I, you know, does she deserve it? Maybe, because I watched it last night, and I mean, you keep thinking, oh my God, a woman is directing this intense action movie. You know, I mean, that might be right, that might be wrong, whatever, but... It's it's still any other year. Like I said earlier, like should we should Lethal Weapon two have been nominated for Best Picture? And you're referring to District Nine, right? No, I was uh, referring. No, I know, I know he is. Um, I think. uh, Look, I I think that if Catherine Bigelow wins Best Director, it's not because she's a woman. It's because she number one, she deserved to be nominated for directing a really taut, thrilling suspense war movie, suspenseful war movie. And the Hurt Locker is highly effective. And I, you know, I haven't watched it again since I saw it the first time. And I mean, obviously, you know, a film is supposed to have some sort of impact on you the first time, but Graham, I'm curious now that you've watched it again, did it, um, have that, were you, were you as, uh, tense the second time when you watched it, then you you know as you were the first. No, time. I was the the second time I was watching it more from like looking for like cool filmmaking technique. Uh huh. So see that's that's the problem with those kinds of movies where you know the the where you're manipulated so much and that that's why a film like Drag Me to Hell 
when I know what's going to happen, when I know the scares are coming around the corner. Or well, I saw it for a second time, and it was just look, as badass. Look, look. But just, I, I'm just trying to make a point, like where you know you're manipulated, and you know you have this this first time experience that you won't forget for very specific reasons. Like, say, if there's a twist ending in a movie, you know that you know that ending's coming, or you know this bomb is or isn't going to go off in the hurt locker, and you've uh, really got to wonder, you know, am I going to remember it? For that first time that I saw it, or is it going to resonate with me upon repeat viewings? I'll tell you what, Ben. To me, Avatar, I think, falls into that category of, uh, like, you know, you can sit through a 30-minute fight sequence for the first time, but do you really want to watch that again? Like, I I agree with you that Mm. uh, the first time does not a classic movie make, because Inglorious Bastards, I would watch every day for the rest of my life slight exaggeration but that was compelling even if you know what's going to happen it's there's enough else going on that the story can stand up to multiple watches well i want to make i want to make the argument for for best director that you know technique seems to get a lot of attention here when we're talking about the criteria for this award but to me directing or at least a a, a, a huge part of it to me of directing is the performances you get out of your cast. And I looked down this list and I don't think anybody got better performances out of their cast than Quentin Tarantino did. And we're talking about he's directing performances in other languages that I'm assuming Quentin Tarantino doesn't speak German and French. But, uh, you know, he gets an amazing performance out of Christoph Waltz, out of Melanie Laurent. I think he gets the best female performance of... of any actress that he's ever directed. And I think there's a number of other, you know, I think Brad Pitt's performance is really fun. Melanie Laurent. Melanie Laurent. I think she's fantastic. I think, uh, I think, um, Bridget von Hammerschmark. Can somebody remind me of the actresses? Dude, name? Diane Kruger. I think, man, I, I was like, for the whole time, I was like, what, really? You're going to nominate Diane Kruger over, uh, Melanie Laurent? <laughs> then I'm like, damn man, I watched it again. Bridgemont Hammers Mark is the shit. She's good, man. She's really she's really fun to watch in that movie. And I look, I just think to me to me that's that's an that's an overlooked criteria for this award is is who got the best performances out of their cast. And I think Although by that measure, you Lee guys Daniel. feel really good about Lee Daniels and what he got out of his cast. Absolutely, but, but because he cast so many folks who you would not expect. But do to you think do you think the, that do you think that what he got was better than what Tarantino got? No, not necessarily, movie? but you know, I think that you should factor that in that he is directing a comedian, a rock star and a pop singer and to legit yeah, and a nobody to legitimately great performances in a great movie. But Matt, I do see what you're saying, you know, I think that uh, the point you brought up about him directing in foreign languages that he doesn't speak uh, really speaks to what kind of a communicator uh, Quentin Tarantino is. Like, Good one. All right, <laughs> all right. Like, Sam, Matt, for one second, to to Ben's point, I mean, it's like really wow, what a sick bastard to be like. Wow, I'm gonna make a movie where Monique is a monster molester, <laughs> Mariah Carey is a welfare officer with a mustache, and Lenny Kravitz is an asexual male nurse. Like God, this is this guy's like trying to line up like MTV jams. But no, I mean, he's, he's directing a movie. I mean, it's pretty incredible. Should I, should I bring up my Stephen King thing that made you upset? Your Stephen King thing? Yeah. Oh, about the Oscars and whether yeah. people actually... Yeah, okay. 
Whether what? It was his. It was his Entertainment Weekly column. Oh, I haven't read that. He said in it, and I think this is brilliant, and Matt thinks it's stupid. I didn't say that. Well, he says that people who like movies love the Oscars, and people who love movies only like the Oscars. And I think that's valid. Um. Because I don't, I mean, you, I don't feel like you guys love the telecast. That's what he was talking about. I'll never miss the People who are just kind of like a little bit into movies get all crazy about the Oscars. And I I don't want to watch this, and I don't plan to. I kind of feel the same. If Matt's watching it, I'm gonna watch it. But I, that's the, look. I feel the same way as I kind of do about Saturday Night Live. It's like yeah, I feel I really, an obligation to watch it. Yeah, exactly. It's like I'm not gonna miss it for the rest of my life, probably as long as I keep putting it on. Francesca, you're gonna hate this, but I look at the Oscars as like the March Madness for film lovers. You know, it's just something but that. This is what I'm saying. I'm not talking about the experience because I'm interested to know who's nominated. I'm interested right. to know who wins. I don't want to. I don't want to watch the game. How about that? Look at how I used a sports metaphor. Good. Well done. I don't care. Yeah. I just want to know who wins. That's right. It. It's like so you're fine. You're, so you don't want to see them open the envelopes. You'd be fine reading it on IMDb the next morning, That's like the winner. What I do. Oh, okay. Francesca, can I ask you something? Yes, you may. What do you What do you make of people's obsession with it, with the whole Oscar lead up and process and everything? The people that do want to do what you refuse to do. No, look, I'm interested. I just, I, you know, you can only speculate. My time is very valuable, Graham. I have a child. I don't want to waste my time on crap. Thanks. You have a you have a TiVo too, though. Yeah, but she looks. She just doesn't. Francesca. What? Francesca has very little <laughs> patience. Uh, I do, and that's really got. And she worse really does. You, you really don't even like Lost, even though. You don't want to miss it, and it's a patience I just issue. Want to know the answer. Yeah, you just want to know how it ends. If Francesca could watch, if if Francesca could read a one paragraph summary of what happens in the last episode of Lost today, no, she would do it. That's not true. So, do you go to the back of books and read the last page? No, I really don't. I, I, I once, I think it was, I think it was Roger Ebert. Somebody once said that the worst thief is a bad movie, and I really. Mm-hmm. If I'm, I'm, I've gotten to be where, to me, a terrible thief is a movie that I don't enjoy. I can appreciate really that a movie yeah. is good and well made, but I'm annoyed if I'm not satisfied at the end of it, happy that I watched it. And I don't have a problem watching something and not liking it. In I the can't end. watch friggin' Jerry, alright? I refuse to watch a movie <laughs> that is just two guys walking around that's looking the, at crap. That's the actually, that's the perfect example of what you don't like, right? Is yeah. Jerry. Yeah. I don't <laughs> like that, oh, it's an experience. You For have me, to appreciate Harris What? You have to appreciate Harris Savitas, the cinematographer. <laughs> you appreciate him, okay? Alright, well speaking of Graham, I don't want to say too much about the cinematography category, but oh. but Graham, does does the white ribbon deserve to beat Avatar, Harry Potter, The Hurt Locker, or Inglorious Bastards? Well, you know, Matt, uh, much to my brother's chagrin, I haven't seen the latest Harry Potter movie. <laughs> <laughs> so you've seen the white ribbon and not Harry Potter. <laughs> oh my what? god. You've seen the white no, ribbon and not Harry Potter. I would vote. Well, I, I mean, honestly, I, if I had the envelope in front of me, I probably would vote for the white ribbon. But uh, I think that the white ribbon uh, is more deserving of art direction 
which sadly it was not nominated for. And I think that when you guys all watch it, uh, when it comes out on DVD, you'll yeah, agree we'll with defi- me. We'll definitely be watching that, yeah. Well, really- Matt, you should. You really should. I mean, um, the guy really recreated a different time period, like the eve of World War One. Uh, in like a rural German village, and it was it really was incredible. I mean, he created this world, and he had an amazing story within that world. Um, Angry Swiss children, German, German dude. This Angry is about German. the okay. Nazis. This is about the who the Nazis were right before they became Nazis. Um, I think uh, uh, I read a tweet today from Peter Travers, the Rolling Stones critic, and he's you know he mentioned that the uh, cinematographer or the Cinematography Award, the Guild, or the Association, they rewarded the White Ribbon with their big award this year um, instead of Avatar. And he says, I wonder if this is going to be, if this is an example or um, foreshadowing things to come at the Oscars uh, where voters sort of have this backlash against Avatar and they reward other things because they don't want to see Avatar dominate the Oscars. Oh, I just came up I'm with about, that. I'm about to take this down a road I probably don't want. I think I've heard that one before, yeah. actually. Aww. I'm about to... <laughs> I'm about to take Who's this down a, uh, listen, I, I'm probably going to regret bringing this up, but with Avatar, guys, I mean, look, 90, 99% of that cinematography is virtual anyway. Right. I agree. Do you I, I think there's an argument there that that doesn't belong in this category because of the fact that this camera was not being held or adjusted by an actual technician? This was all being done inside a computer. No, see, because uh, it was shot on a camera. You know, Some of it a, was. Well, yeah, well, I mean, James Cameron operated the camera. Um, <laughs> he, he developed new technology, a new camera, to incorporate real photography. But and it, it, He did and, it in a warehouse with ping pong balls on people. Yeah, I do agree with you. I, I don't think cinematography is uh, necessarily meant to incorporate, you know, synthetic images. You know what I mean? I think that I, I, I would like to see... I would like to see films that are, you know, real, you know, what, what, what's real coming through a lens and what we're seeing on screen. That what's being think, real things being photographed deserve uh, to be the winners of this award. And so I, you know, Harry Potter, it is a beautiful film, but I would probably opt for Robert Richardson's work. Whenever, whenever, <laughs> whenever Graham is done uh, chipping ice for his, uh, for his Manhattan. What is happening? (laughs) Is this Graham's uh, campaign for for a Christmas Carol to be added to the best animated feature (laughs) category? You dick. What? You dick. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about best animated feature. You're so proud of that segue. I'm really proud of that. You can't even stand it. But listen... I'm going with Fantastic Mr. Fox, even though I really liked, I actually really liked Coraline, and I thought it was really interesting and oh, fun. I didn't see that. I didn't see that, and uh, I haven't seen Secret of Kells or, uh, what's the other one? Princess and the Frog. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to meet balls. So, Ben, Ben, no, that's not no, that's nominated, not Ben. Oh, it's not? not? I thought it was. No, it is not. You've only seen I think you've only seen Up, and that's it. Yeah, I don't really have much to say about it, and I'm really oh, ashamed that I haven't seen You really Fantastic. see Fantastic Mr. Fox when it's you get great. a chance. I've seen it. What? I did see it on the first weekend. It came out. It's a legit Wes Anderson <laughs> movie. Yes, I agree, dude. I agree. Yeah. I think it would be great if you won. I, I would vote for it over Up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> what well, do you think Up's going to win, What do you, do you 
Yeah, of course, of course. I don't know that it's. I don't know that it's a guarantee. I mean, they're going to. It's a guarantee. It's not. Where'd you see it, dude? The Galleria. There might be a little split in terms of, you know, if people are, if some people are voting up for best picture. I don't think it's likely, but it might happen. I don't know that they're going to get a lot. I don't of that. know. It might. It might get love in one well, department, not who, this one. Who was it tonight that, that uh, rated up over Wale? What? That was me. Wale? Wale. I've never heard it pronounced that way, Wale. Oh, man. Uh, look, I think, I think. look, Matt, I, you know, I read a blog uh, a few months ago saying look out for the Fantastic Mr. Fox upset um, because of, you know, the big awards that it was we- winning leading up to its nomination. I do think up is a shoe, and I think Pixar owns this category pretty much, and it's really going to take something to knock us for a loop. Uh, to overtake Pixar. And the fact that it's nominated for Best Picture, um, I really think sort of guarantees its victory. It's going to walk away with this consolation prize. Let's wrap up with the screenplay categories. Um, I, I really like the Best Original Screenplay category as a whole this year. Uh, I think this is where Quentin Tarantino really has his best shot at walking away with something. Uh on Oscar night, I, I don't, I don't know that. I think he's kind of a long shot for best picture and director, but I think, I do think they're going to reward him for this screenplay. And, uh, I think, that's your prediction? yeah, that's my prediction. I think you're, you're, they're going to give him win. over the hurt locker guy. Yeah, I think so. Cause hurt locker, I'm going to win best picture, man. Hurt locker screenplay wasn't anything. It'll win best director though, Graham. You, you agree with this prediction? No, I think Tarantino, um, Yes. Well, you predict. Yeah, you, I, I think Tarantino is going to win because you know what is what it what is God. Graham? What is the Oscars all about? It's all about getting stars on the stage. And Tarantino, Who's bowl man. Yeah, exactly. This Iraq journalist, you know, this war journalist. They don't want him up there talking. You know, sending out the messages the the Hurt Locker didn't. You know what I mean? Oh, Preaching on stage. There you go. Um, and, and it's like you want to get Tarantino, this rock star filmmaker and writer. On stage, spouting off about whatever, you know, because How he's awesome unpredictable. He is, basically. Yeah, and he's yeah, he's unpredictable, and he's good for TV, and people love this movie. And if you're going to talk about uh, an original screenplay, do you not think *Inglorious Bastards* deserves it more than any of these films? In terms well, of all, his, all of his scenes were probably pulled from old B westerns. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think there are three or four long scenes in that movie that are awesome. There, there is, there is cool and individual scene from a screenplay as we've had in the last 10 years. And I think you can look at the, the, the opening chapter. You can look at the, the, uh, the bar room sequence, uh, Strudel. and, and yeah, and yes. I think, I think that's a really good one that Francesca brought up. And I think, I think kind of the negotiation that happens at the end of the movie you could also put up there. I think that they're uh, acting and writing clinics, Matt, and I think that there are sequences in that movie that are going to be taught in screenwriting yeah, classes, I the agree. future acting classes, directing classes. Such huh? as? The opening sequence, the tavern sequence, and I agree with Francesca, the sequence uh, between Melanie Laurent and uh, Christoph Waltz, the strudel sequence. The strudel sequence? Yeah, I really do. She... She explodes oh, on, I'm sorry, on screen man. without even without yeah. even uh, saying a word really in that whole scene, and that's you know, I think that's writing. I think when we've when we've heard enough from Tarantino about 
how much he makes, you know, sort of notes in the margins about what his performances are supposed to be, even when it's not spoken. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I think he wrote every bit of every performance in that movie. You know, I think is my one of my favorite Tarantino written scenes, you know, in his entire catalog. And I might be in the minority on this, but the uh, British. Oh, um, I love it. Higher up military military scene. I love that. Oh my gosh, it's just a beautifully written scene, and I think that's another one people are going to take into consideration. So, so Graham, you don't think Tarantino's going to win, though? Uh, Well, I mean, it's like if Hurt Locker isn't going to win Best Picture, a lot of people, a lot of you know, serious Oscar people might say that it's going to get the screenplay Oscar as consolation. What about director Graham? Well, it's still, still. I mean, I don't know if uh, Academy cares that much about Tarantino. Like that, I don't think they feel that much, uh, you know. Uh, they rewarded him once. He's already won an Oscar. They rewarded him for any time he even got close. They they nominated, didn't Jackie Brown get a nomination? Uh, I think Forster might have No, been no. Yeah, that, it was one, one Oscar nomination for that. Yeah, yeah. but Sadly. still. Um, Michael Keaton should have gotten nominated, uh, <laughs> but uh, Graham, well, I mean, what what to, what makes you think that the hurt? Uh, uh, Francesca, I think you're onto something with the beard. Uh, yeah, I think something uh, happens mysteriously when we heard that clinking. And you can't take any consideration. <laughs> Was it glass? Or no, listen, no, no, listen. I'm tomorrow. I'm going to the MoMA to watch the documentary shorts competition. <laughs> oh, he's gone. He zapped him. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> sorry, Francesca. I know your time is valuable. That's right. I'm a busy woman. Francesca. I work in a dental office for Why don't you sake. give a final look? We'll let Graham back in in a second. But, Francesca, why don't you give kind of your final thoughts on uh, on this year? I mean, you're not going to watch the Oscars, right? That's the plan. Yeah, so that's You're your not thoughts. going to? No. Oh, okay. I can entertain it weekly. I can just read about it wow. after. Or what I'll about, what about the red carpet? The red carpet can kiss my butt. Again, I read Entertainment Weekly. There'll be a two-page spread on the nicest and the worst dresses. That's fine. Graham is calling us, by the way. I don't know Just if I... Just ignore him. Aw, sorry, buddy. We'll let, we'll let him back in in a second to make his final comment, but... I just, I have no stomach for award shows. They just really irritate me. It's a lot of fluff. Anything, I mean, look, the internet has ruined me. Anything that's worth seeing, I can see the next day. Wow. And I'll have it picked out. I won't have to suffer through eight hours of crap. Ben, are you more excited about these uh, these Oscars this year? More excited than I was last year? Yeah, or? Let's, say, let's say are you are you more excited than you were last year, maybe? I thought that – you. do you mean like uh, about the films or the broadcasts? I don't know. I mean do you feel like there's more entertainment value, intrigue going on this year? Graham's trying to get in again, but um, – I, I don't know. I think it's probably about as inner. It's got as much uh, potential as any Oscars telecast. You know, I think most years are similar to one another, unless they're exceptional years. You know what I mean? You're just kind of you're you're going to kind of get the same show each time. You know, you're going to get you're going to get the winners that you've predicted for months leading up to it. You just can kind of hope for some funny jokes 
uh, from the hosts and the presenters. I'm not exactly thrilled about the hosts this year. Yeah, I don't know how that'll turn out. We'll see. I heard that I listened to Adam Shankman, who's directing the broadcast and producing it. He he had said their first choice was Sasha Baron Cohen, right? Um, which I thought might have been interesting, but I kind of agree with the Academy in that it might not have worked either. You know, I thought John Stewart was a great choice personally. You know who I, I did unfortunately watch some of last year's telecast because I had to with Matt and his family. And you know what? I think Hugh Jackman was actually a pretty good host. I think I agree. the best you can hope for is just somebody who's game. If somebody goes in thinking they're the funniest guy in the room, that's not that means that they can, you know, fail spectacularly. If they go in with just a good spirit about them, like Hugh Jackman, I mean, he's kind of a jag, I think, you know. Sometimes I mean, he's a doofus, but that's okay. Matt and I have this conversation about SNL too, that really the best they can hope for is somebody who's just up for anything, you know, is really going to be your best bet as a host of that, and maybe yeah. as a host of anything. I really enjoyed the show last year, and he was probably the biggest reason why. Well, Isn't you, that strange to say? Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Ben, why don't you add Graham to the call really quick, and we'll get his final thoughts. Okay, let's just see if he'll behave. Hey, hey, Graham, we're about to add you to the call right now. Hey. There, there he is. All right, look, go ahead and, Graham, why don't you give us your final thoughts, just kind of... About your your feelings about this year's Oscar broadcast uh, overall, do you feel like this is a strong year for movies? Well, why don't we all go first? Well, we already did, we, and we made we, we we made sure that we uh, that we all got ours in before, and we'll let you have the last word. Uh, well, I mean, I, I wish Alec Baldwin was hosting by himself. <laughs> uh, I think he. Sh- I think he was left out of the best actor race personally from his complicated. Uh, it just dissolved so quickly, you know. <laughs> well, you know. Okay, to his credit, Baldwin was. He what? There was a little bit of buzz before that movie came out about him possibly getting a supporting actor nomination. That's true. I just mean Graham's Graham's composure seemed to dissolve so quickly. One, one second he's in the discussion, and all of a sudden he's he's uh, he's doing Phil Hendry. Uh, let, hey, let me let me let me get this question out there, okay, Matt? Just okay. like about the about the category edition. Uh, um, I've always, you know, for the past few years, I've thought that you know I've wondered what what are they leaving out in terms of. Uh, the technical aspects or whatever else goes into a movie that should have its own category. And I think that <clears throat> maybe um, there should be a best casting category. I, I feel, I, I think that's probably pretty Ellen cool. Ellen Chenoweth would win all the time because she casts everything. Ellen Chenoweth, you do see her name a lot. I don't know who that is exactly. but A casting agent who yeah. casts everything. I think that's a good idea, Ben. I mean, I don't know enough about the process to know what all goes into that and how much is just the director handpicking and how much of it is really, you know, doing going through a long process of casting. But, um, you know, I, I think there certainly do seem to be some directors that are better at it than others. My yeah. understanding has always been that the casting director sort of presents the director with a, you know, Big list. down list. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> that was the end. That was the end of Graham's portion of the broadcast. I think he passed out. Yeah. 
Um, but anyway, yeah, I think I think that that would be, you know, that'd be interesting because I mean I think they've even talked about doing best stunts before. Really? Yeah, but I think Spike TV did them a favor and right. had their you know, best the stunt show. Awards. Exactly. So you know, maybe they deserve it, maybe they don't. But Academy, if you're listening, think about best casting. Nice. They All probably right. are. Yep. Is the thing, Ben? <laughs> yeah, Almost true. certainly. They're they're way ahead of the game. Yeah. This will actually be the pre-show. <laughs> they're gonna air this, yeah. <laughs> oh, you mean they're listening? It, like the Ricky Gervais show. Yeah. And... Yeah. Okay. I don't really want to see what they'd animate uh, during the last few fifteen minutes. I agree with that. Well, man. well, guys, thanks for uh, joining me for the show. Um, really, I, is Graham okay? I, you know, I hope Graham's all right back there. Um, but we'll uh, <laughs> we'll we'll check in with you guys again soon. I hope to have. Uh, film nerds podcasts coming back out regularly yeah. here in the near future. And Let's uh, do it, um, Francesca. Thanks for coming on with us. This was fun. Yes, thanks to my to my wife here, Francesca. Wait, real quick, where do you guys uh, where do you guys rate uh, the informant? You know what? I think it was maybe a little robbed in some in some areas. I would have liked to have seen it get some nominations. Oh, yeah. it should have gotten at least some music love. Did it? Uh, no, it did not. It got snubbed, best score and best song. And That's, speaking of that snubs... That was one of the more enjoyable movies we saw this year. Yeah. Let, me throw, let me throw my last wildcard point out there, Matt, really quickly. And you were talking about how weak the best actor race was. I really do think Michael Stuhlbarg from A Serious Man should have been in the in the mix. That's he, just was my... Was he the lead character? Yeah. yeah Larry Gottman. good. It's my two cents. That's it. Is the Serious Man going to walk away empty-handed? Yeah, I think it will. Uh, I, I just think it's, I think it's a little too challenging for... Wait, so wait, do we ever hear Ben's prediction for best screenplay? Uh, it's, I think it's going to be Tarantino. So there. Mm. Graham, can you take us out with with your best version of the lead character from District 9? Hey, shut up, prone. You prone. <laughs> hey, you stupid prone. Hey, it's... sign this phone, prone. Sign it's this just... phone, prone. It's the hey, sweetie, bro. sweetie man, sweetie man is here again. Hey, hey, you just saw this phone, bro. You'll be alright. Hey, hey, bro. Yeah, it's good, bro. Hey, yeah, bro. You say bro. Exceedingly well. <laughs> What's that, bro? <laughs> uh, hey, hey, Graham, you know, Graham, dear, uh, dear William Hurt, Graham. This is our destiny. It's their time to build our country. <laughs> <laughs> Now 